0: Oh, wow, the hit presents so hard. They are feeling it in for two. Mamma mia, what a KO.
1: The fight clock is brought to you by Motelov. Oh. Welcome back to Throwing Hands, as Daniel and I will be previewing UFC Fight Night, Lewis versus Olenek, and we'll
0: also uh, review the first episode of Season 4 of the Dana White Contender Series. Daniel, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. This is going to be an interesting podcast. We're recording this on Friday night, August 7th, uh, directly in the middle of uh, Game 3 between the Columbus Blue Jackets of Toronto and Toronto Maple Leafs. If you're watching this on the YouTube version of this podcast, I am decked out in maple leaf gear i'm a diehard fan jacob i know you're from columbus uh, columbus is up one to nothing at the end of the first period as we sit here I'm extremely on edge. I know this is not a hockey podcast. Oh, it's but fun. us talk. I I have a feeling with with the way I'm feeling, this is this is going to be an electric podcast, no matter what we're talking about.
1: Yeah, honestly, I, you know, you might go yes or no. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be electric. Yeah, the thing, you know, the thing with the, like you said for the past three seasons, it's like the the Maple Leafs are always in it for two thirds of the
0: game. We've 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 blown three goal leads in three straight first round series. You know, it's, it's, it's that it's, simple. It's, it's it's a lot like the Blue Jackets 20-year
1: uh, history. <laughs> oh, <I get laughs> yeah, it, it's been rough. But, you know, when we swept the Lightning last year, that was pretty sick. Was I got to say. Big. All right, so we're just going to hop right into this. All right, so to a guy that we interviewed, um, Yusuf Zalal, and a guy who we were supposed to interview, Peter Barrett, this this dude didn't show up I was about to say something a little worse but um let's let's give him the benefit of the doubt let's let's give give, him the
0: benefit of the doubt
1: let's hope he was training in order to beat Yusuf but that's right right. exactly all right so let's just start with Yusuf what do you think on Yusuf Zalal
0: and I like Yusuf Zalal honestly probably a little biased because we did get to talk to the guy he's just got an electric personality and it carries over into the octagon he's an outstanding striker he's got a kickboxing background started kickboxing as a kid, as, as we talked about on the podcast and it's carried him this far. He's trained with some of the best in the world, worked with American top team for a, for a time. So he's, he's a really talented guy and he can put you down with strikes. He's not a big power guy, but he, he fills you up with strikes and and he definitely keeps the fight moving.
1: Yeah. Like you said, he does bring a lot of volume to the game, but oddly enough, 71% 71% of his wins have come by submission. And he works off his back a lot, too. And, yes, like you said, he does bring the volume. So he's a very diverse person when it comes to his finishing game. And on a Peter Barrett, um, Peter Barrett is a wrestler. That's the best way I can describe him. He likes his ground and pound, very aggressive. Uh, that's pretty much all I have to say about Peter Barrett. What do you have?
0: Yeah, not much, not much else to be said about him. He does have a little bit of a Muay Thai background. And, I mean, he's finished guys on the feet and on the ground so he doesn't have a ton of ufc experience he's had back-to-back fights canceled before this one uh, got made for this weekend but uh, again he's just coming off a contender series fight this will be his first uh, main card ufc fight well not main card but uh, i would say main line of events fight in the ufc
1: yeah and with uh yusuf's law he took this fight on about a week and a half two weeks notice so that'll be interesting to see what what's up with him all right and for me, the keys for his law are keep it standing, but if he gets on his back when Peter Barrett takes him to the ground, which is when, because he does like to take people to the ground, his stats aren't up because he's new to the game, but he does like to work his subs off the ground. So if he sees himself in that position, he has to get moving and try to work some submissions. What are your keys for his law?
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Use that kickboxing. That's, what, that's kind of where he butters his bread, even though he does finish guys so well on the ground. Uh, and I think if he does get taken down by Barrett, which with his wrestling background, there's certainly a good chance of that. Uh, I think, like you said, he needs to be able to work from the back, work that submission, and, and try to set something up that way. All right, so what are your keys for Peter Barrett? Uh, for Barrett, I would say he's an in, in an interesting position because he's proven in the past in in Cage Titans that he can finish guys on the on the feet, but obviously his wrestling background is generally what carries him. I would say his best bet is to get this fight to the ground, but he has to maintain top position because if he can let Zalal work to a, to any kind of submission from his back, he's in serious trouble.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't put it any better. And if he if he finds himself, I think it, his best interest could be if he's on the feet get Zalal up against the cage so he can use, utilize his Muay Thai and kind of trap him along the cage. All right, so what are your predictions?
0: I'm going to take Yusuf Zalal in this one. I know he's coming in on short notice, but he's a guy with a lot of helium moving up in this division. I know they've got high expectations for Barrett coming off a pretty impressive win against in the contender series last year, but I like Zalal, even though it's on short notice, uh, to take this one.
1: Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you, Zalal. I think I think he's a little more diverse than Peter Barrett, so I can see uh, him beating Peter Barrett with that. And
0: he's more experienced in the UFC. That's That's something you have to look at here.
1: Yeah, definitely. I wish we got to interview Peter Barrett, man. I just want to know what this nickname is, Slippery Pete, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> All right, to another guy we interviewed, Justin James versus Gavin Tucker. Gavin Tucker is a really interesting guy. He doesn't fight much, he? but when he fights, he wins. What are your thoughts on Gavin Tucker?
0: Uh, yeah, Gavin Tucker's a really interesting guy. He's been fighting since 2009. He's 34 years old, but he's only got 12 pro fights to his name. Uh, but when he does fight, he knows how to finish, guys. He's got four, uh, four knockouts, five submissions, in 11 career wins. Uh, his last fight was over a year ago, actually, at UFC 240 against Sungwoo Choi. And he choked him out with a rear naked choke. He's 2-1 and one in the UFC. Uh, he hasn't knocked anybody out in the UFC, but he's been impressive in those kind of situations. He had a head kick knockout in his last fight before coming to the UFC. He's a guy that can do a lot of damage in a lot of different ways.
1: Yeah, uh, you put it pretty well there, and I think with Gavin Tucker is he likes to set, he uses he has very refined striking. It's not powerful, but he brings the volume, and that sets up a lot of his takedowns. And when he gets to the ground, he'll he'll do his work. And on a Justin James, it's kind of a similar situation, but he's more of a wrestler. Justin James will uh, kind of bull rush you, put you up against the cage, and then just uh, crumple you with his striking but he likes to use his wrestling as a backup. He's more of a defensive wrestler like Justin Gaethje, but no one's on Justin Gaethje's wrestling level except for Habib in this division, in my opinion. So he's he likes to use his wrestling as a backup, and he has very fine, and refined and powerful striking. What are your thoughts on Janes?
0: You summed it up pretty well. Janes is a guy, he's aggressive. Uh, he uses, uh, like you said, he uses the... The wrestling mostly defensively, but he definitely knows when to use it, and he he just comes right after guys. You saw in that Frank Camacho fight, he could. When we talked to him in that interview, he said he could see something something off in Frank Camacho's mannerisms in his eyes, and he he smelled blood in the water before the bell ever rang on that fight. He's a guy as Columbus just scores to go up two to nothing. Uh, Justin James is a guy that can come out and and he can see where the fight's gonna go he can read his opponent really well and that's something that is obviously very important in the UFC yeah definitely so what are your keys for uh Gavin Tucker Uh, for Tucker I would say he would probably benefit the most by taking this fight to the ground Uh, that's where he got his last UFC win that's where he's got the majority of his finishes so I think that's his best bet I think Obviously James is a guy that's tough to take down with with his defensive wrestling as we've discussed. Uh, but Tucker, I think he needs to, to probably cut off the cage as much as possible against Jane's, get him backed into a corner, probably take him down against the fence. He like we've said he's a pretty high volume striker. He lands over two and a half significant strikes per minute. So if he can cut the cage off, get Jane's up against the fence uh, by, by filling up the filling up the pocket with some strikes, and then take him down that way. That's probably probably the best way for him to get done here.
1: Yeah, I you know I think this kind of goes for both people. I know I understand Justin James doesn't like to take it to the ground himself, but I believe personally whoever controls this fight on the ground will win the fight. And I think if Justin James avoids takedowns or does a lot of reversals, he will win this fight. But if Gavin Tucker manages to take his back with his high level jujitsu, it could be a problem for Justin James. What do you have to say?
0: Yeah that makes that makes a ton of sense. I think this fight is probably going to be fought on the ground based on these guys' backgrounds. I think Jane's probably in terms of power certainly will have have the, that advantage on the feet. If he can turn this into a slugfest, make Tucker step up into the pocket and throw with him, I think Jane's best bet is to try to get it there. I just don't think Tucker's style He's gonna be he's gonna want to get to get into a fight that's gonna end up in a phone booth.
1: Oh, definitely. And I think Justin James he fought at lightweight against uh well Camacho missed weight so it was a catchweight, but he was at the lightweight at one fifty five. But he's fighting at one forty five this fight, and I think he'll have that advantage of being a little bigger than Gavin Tucker. So, to predictions, what do you got?
0: This is an interesting one because Tucker has a great track record. He hasn't fought in over a year, and he fights a style that Justin James will be pretty will be able to defend that's kind of the way james's style works is that he can defend well against guys like tucker because of that i'm gonna take james here i think he's gonna be able to come out aggressively i think tucker with a over a year's layoff will probably be a little bit hesitant coming out not exactly able to find his footing right away i think that's going to give justin james the opportunity to to take this one early
1: yeah I, i i have to agree with you there i think gavin tucker might have a little bit of ring rust it's not like he's 28 coming off you know a loss than taking a year off. He's 34. He's he's not exactly in his prime anymore unless he's, you know, pulling uh an Anderson Silva of some sort. And he's gonna come out and win the title next year. But with the way Justin James is aggressively and with his defensive wrestling, I think Justin James will take this fight by knockout. All right. So I didn't put this on the uh agenda because oh, page not found. Anyway, so we're gonna talk about this anyway. So Kevin Holland versus Joaquin Buckley, Kevin Holland coming off last week, fight cancelled. Minister it was supposed to be kicked off cuz Trevin Giles passed out. So, what do you think this uh double weight cut will do to Kevin
0: Holland? I mean, I think it's I don't think Kevin Holland is a guy that would take this kind of fight uh, with this kind of weight cut if if he didn't think he was up for it. Obviously, I mean, he's tried to fight multiple times. He already did fight once this summer and has tried to get this second fight in multiple times and has had it cancelled multiple times. So, I think I think he's going to be able to come out. I expect him to win this fight. I think he's going to be really hungry coming into this one. Obviously, he had an outstanding finish against Anthony Hernandez back in May, and he's just been chomping at the bit to try to get back into the octagon. He's had fights canceled twice, like I said. And Joaquin Buckley's coming into the octagon for the first time. I think, I think Holland's going to be able to pull it together and get a win here.
1: Yeah, I think you will too, but I'm just a little worried about the weight cut cutting twice in two weeks. I that's, mean, you could, that's a
0: little concerning.
1: And the thing was, it was—I mean, I don't want him to end up like uh, Trevin Giles last week. But Tony Ferguson cut the weight the week he was supposed to fight uh, Habib back on April 19th or whatever it was, and I think he still felt the effects of that weight cut a few weeks later because you know these guys walk around at least 20, 30 pounds heavier. So. Watch for Kevin Hahn to look a little more ty- tired and sluggish in this fight, but I think Kevin Hahn will come away with the win. But Joaquin Buckley is no joke; he's not to be messed with. All right, so to a lightweight matchup, uh, Benil Dariush. he has been around a hot minute at number fourteen in the rankings, and then we got hot, hot sauce Holzman. What are your thoughts on uh, Benil Dariush? Uh,
0: Benil Dariush, a uh, guy that has some, definitely has the ability to submit people. Forty-four percent of his wins by submission. But he can fill fill a fight up with strikes, too. Lands uh, almost four significant strikes per minute and, and is able to take some back as well. He's not the greatest when it comes to getting guys to the ground. He's able to defend against takedowns very well. But when he gets guys to the ground, he does an outstanding job of finishing them. He averages better than a submission per 15. Which, which is pretty impressive in terms of numbers. And he's got elite takedown defense at 80%. So if this fight goes to the ground, it's going to be on Benil Dariush's terms. And that's a very important thing against Scott Holtzman.
1: Yeah, I, I, I can't really add much to that. But to ne- a note about uh, Benil Dariush three straight performance of the night bonuses. This guy has been getting it done. He's in the prime of his prime right now. And don't be surprised if he hops up in the rankings Muay Thai black belt, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt. He can get it done anywhere. I mean, yes, he likes the submissions, but he can get it done anywhere. That's the beauty about him, diverse finishing and four straight wins. So watch out for Benil Dariush. So what are your thoughts on Holtzman?
0: I mean, he's a a guy with a Brazilian jiu-jitsu background with a brown belt there, but he can really do it all. He has five knockouts, two submissions, seven wins by decision. He's coming off two straight wins, a doctor stoppage against uh, Donghun Ma and then a decision win against Jim Miller. Uh, back in February. That was a fight of the night. These are two guys. I think this is definitely a fight of the night candidate with the way these two guys have been fighting recently. I think uh, this is going to be really exciting because these are two guys that can just go. Uh, like you said, Darius is, is coming off uh, three straight performances of the night. Uh, Holtzman is coming off a fight of the night against Jim Miller. So, I like what both of them bring to the table. I like what Holtzman can do as a striker in addition to his Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So I like, I think this is going to be the fight of the night. This is my pick for fight of the night. Yeah.
1: I think I have to agree with you there. And uh, Scott Holtzman, you know, defeated Jim Miller and he's also beat Josh Emmett. Who's, who's little, who's kind of on a little streak right now uh, where he's at right now. So He's beaten some pretty prominent people. Jim Miller's streaking late in his career, which is pretty yeah. fascinating. And Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Brown Belt, he faints a lot, and he likes his dirty boxing. So I wouldn't... I mean, Benil Darius, you know, being a Muay Thai uh, black belt, he he's comfortable in the clinch. But if Scott Holtzman gets you in his clinch, it's not pretty. So Benil Darius might want to stay away from the clinch. So... I think my keys for Benil Dariush are uh, slow the pace and be refined and go to the ground if need be. You can do He can do a lot on the feet and he can do a lot on the ground, but if he finds himself on the ground, he should be quite comfortable. What do you have to say?
0: Yeah, I think pace is going to be extremely important in this fight. I think if, if Dariush can control that, that's going to be huge for him. I think his, his best bet is to get this to the ground, but only if it's on his own terms. I don't think he wants to get into a a situation where he does have to go into a clinch against Scott Holtzman to try to get this one to the ground. Obviously his takedown defense is so high level. I don't think that's going to be a problem, but for Dariush, I think, I think if he wants to finish this fight, then this fight needs to go to the ground. But if if I think he can win it by decision, if it stays on the feet.
1: Yeah. And I think for Holtzman, it's dirty it up. I I don't think there's really much more to say there. Get it, make it dirty. Don't let make Darius very uncomfortable. What do you have to say? But I can't agree more. Okay, all right. He can't
0: agree more, guys. All right. So predictions. What do you got? Uh, I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take Benil Dariush in this one. I think he can fight this one on his own terms, as I've been saying. That's gonna be the biggest thing for him. Is I think he has the tools to control this fight, to control the pace. And if Dariush wants to go to the ground, I think this fight can go to the ground. If he wants to keep it on the feet, I think he can keep it on the feet. That's why I'm taking Vanille Dariush. Yeah, I have to agree with
1: you there. I think Dariush is just too diverse with his, uh, with his with both his ground game and his striking. So I think I'll take Vanille Dariush in the end there. But don't be surprised if Scott Holtzman really pulls it off here dirties it up, and gets it done early. I think if Holtzman wants to win, he's got to get it done in the first round because I think Benil Darius is way too experienced with his, I don't know, plus 18 plus fights in the UFC, something like that, some crazy number. So I believe that if Neil Dariush uh, uh, makes a mistake and let Holt, lets Holtzman get it dirty, it's over for Darius. All right, but Dariush will win this fight. All right, so... To an interesting matchup here, middleweight matchup. Uh, Omari Akhmedov versus Chris Weidman, the former middleweight champion, but he's lost about five straight. Uh, What are your thoughts on
0: Akhmedov? Akhmedov is a guy that's been around for a long time, and he's a guy that can do it a lot of different ways. Wrestling-based background, uh, he's an international master of sport in combat, Sambo, he's a second Don Black Belt and an international master of sport in hand-to-hand combat. He's got a 20 and four professional record. He's been in the UFC since 2013, but he's been able to stay on the roster for that long, uh, despite having back-to-back losses in 2015 and 16. He's a guy that can go, and he's a guy that's hot. He's won, uh, well, he's won five of his last six, and the sixth was a majority draw against Marvin Vittori back in 2017. So, his fights have come by decision. He's not finishing guys as much like he did in his early career, but Akhmadov is a guy that has been able to adjust throughout his career to be able to do what works to stay on the UFC roster to keep racking up wins, and he's a guy that is having a little bit of a resurgence late in the game.
1: Yeah, I, you, I couldn't put it any better, man. I mean, Akhmadov is quite good. Like you said, won four last five. Two noble wins against Ian Hynish and Zach Cummings. Uh, Dagestani, you know, he has that, uh, background in Dagestan. They always come out good in Dagestan from Dagestan, diverse finishing lately. He's gone to the decision a lot, but he can finish it pretty much anywhere. And like you said, master sport and, uh, combat Sambo and
0: hand-to-hand combat.
1: So on to Chris Weidman, you know, one of the greatest middleweights of all time. I don't think the man, anybody The man needs
0: that. no introduction.
1: The man needs no introduction. You know, who Chris Weidman is beat Anderson Silva ended his title reign. No introduction needed for this guy. He's beat legends like um, Vitor v- Belfort, Leota Machida, yeah. Damian Maia. Like, he, he's done it all. So uh, more him, uh, Division One All-American wrestler out of Hofstra and uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. He's he's one of the legends, 40% uh, win by knockout rate. He can get it done anywhere. What do you have to say about Chris Whiteman?
0: You couldn't have put it better as far as his track record goes, but the problem is – since he lost the UFC middleweight championship. And then it's just, it's just been downhill from there. He, he got beat by Yoel Romero, uh, Jajard uh comes back with a win against Gaslam, and now back-to-back losses to, to Jacare and then Dominic Reyes. So uh, he's, he's obviously one of the greats. He's coming back down from light heavyweight. He fought Reyes at light heavyweight. But Weidman, he seems to have a little bit of a renewed attitude going into this but again he's he's obviously on on the tail end of his career he's one of the greats he's he's one of the best we've ever seen he's a former world champion but he's just he's just not proven as of late that he's the fighter he once was
1: yeah you can't I can not put any better all right so um what are your keys for Omari Akhmedov?
0: Akhmedov, I think it's it's interesting because he's proven he can fight on the feet and he's proven he can fight on the ground I think with with what's been happening with Weidman lately getting knocked out so often in his last few fights I think Achmedov's best bet is to stay on the feet and try to go for a finish probably the way I would go if I were him
1: yeah I have to agree there I think he should take this I mean keep it standing of course but If he goes to the ground, I wouldn't be too concerned. But Chris Weidman's as good as it gets when it comes to wrestling, especially him being a D1 All-American out of Hofstra. And for Chris Weidman, I mean, I think it's ground. I think Omari Akhmedov is way too dangerous on the feet, uh, especially at Chris Weidman's age. What do you have to say?
0: I I can't agree more with that. Weidman's at a point where his chin's not nearly what it once was. I think if he can get Akhmadov down and and control him there, which – as, as strong as Akhmadov is and as le- athletic as he is on the ground, I'm not sure that's going to be an easy task. But if Weidman can take this down to the ground and control it there, that's uh, that's really the only way I see him winning this fight. All right, predictions. I'm
1: taking uh, Omari Akhmadov by knockout. I don't think it's going to take too much to knock Weidman out. What do you think?
0: I want to take Weidman so bad. I do I want, too. I want Chris Weidman to be what he was when he was a champion. And I think with a five-inch reach advantage – he may be able to, to hold Akhmadov off for a while, but I see Akhmadov knocking him out in, in, within two rounds.
1: Yeah, I have to agree. Within two rounds. All right, so to the main event of the evening, I can't be more excited for this fight. I've been waiting for this ever since I saw it uh, be matched up about a month ago. Derek Lewis, the Black Beast, versus the Bow Constrictor, Alexi Olenek. What are your thoughts
0: on Derek Lewis? Love Derek Lewis. Who doesn't love Derek Lewis? Derek Lewis is the man. Derek Lewis is a guy that's got a lot of power in his hands, 78% knockout. He's a prototypical UFC heavyweight, in my opinion. He, he can go out. He can handle himself on the ground. That's obviously not where he's going to want to go. That's where he's had, had trouble in the past. But he's proven over time he's been able to improve his ground game. But, I mean, he makes his money knocking people out. He's a big guy with a lot of power with a lot of strength that can put people down and they don't get back up. Derek Lewis, he's, he's got a lot of entertainment value, uh, but there's a reason he's 35 years old and he still ranks so highly in this division. It's just because he can put people down with one punch.
1: Yeah. This dude can put people to sleep and uh, I mean, he's got heavy hands and especially under Rob Perez. I mean, that's what, that's what comes when you train with that guy. And he started boxing under George Foreman. So when he learned from the, one of the goats like that, you're going to have some heavy hands. And he has wins versus Nganu, yeah, I mean, Volkov, Hunt, Roy Nelson, and uh, Gabriel Gonzaga. So this guy has beaten some legends. So he's he's dangerous, and there's no better way to put it. But Alexei Olenek, on the other hand, is quite dangerous, but just in a much different form. What do you have to say about Alexei Olenek?
0: Olenek is so, so fun because he's been around for so long. I mean, he's known for that Ezekiel choke. But then he comes out against, uh, against Fabricio Verdum and is able to get it done on the feet. It's, it's crazy to watch. He, he came out in – let me do the quick math in my head. In his 73rd professional fight and fights a completely different style from what we've seen him do in the past. He totally changes up his, his stand-up game. And it's a split decision with Verdum. But it was a really impressive win for, for Alexio Linick. Obviously, his money is made uh, with Brazilian jiu-jitsu. That's his thing. The thing is, he, he's not an outstanding wrestler. So it, Derek Lewis's uh, wrestling defense, his takedown defense, is going to be huge, 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 huge in this fight. So if if this fight can stay on the feet and, and Lewis can avoid Olenek's ground game and keep this one... From just turning into a brawl. I think he's 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 in good shape there. But I love Alexio Linick. I love what he does, the way he fights. He's a really entertaining guy.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's in uh, uh on the keys here and a little bit of his overview. I mean, Alexei Olenek Scott wins against Mark Hunt, Fabrizio Fabricio Verdoom and uh, Marie Screen. He's got it done against some pretty formidable opponents. And on the keys, I think for Alexi Olenek, obviously gets to the ground. There's not much else to say. If, and if it's on the feet, get him up against the fence, get loose up against the fence so he can't use his power. What do you have to say?
0: Yeah, I, I don't disagree with anything you just said. Uh, Lewis is going to control this fight on the feet. Again, Olenek looked better against Verdum, but I think Derek Lewis is probably in another class when it comes to the stand-up game here. Olenek's got to take this to the ground. He's just got to, I mean, just, just honestly smother Derek Lewis into the ground. Lewis has proven in the past his conditioning isn't, isn't at the highest level. I don't think many guys in this – I don't think there are many guys, even with Olenek, at the age of 43, Any anybody that's got the same kind of gas tank that he does in this heavyweight division. So I think if Olenek can keep the pace up, can smother Derek Lewis on the ground, that's going to be the best way to go.
1: Yeah, definitely. All right, so for Derek Lewis, it's pretty simple. Don't get up against the fence. Stay off the ground and keep it standing. And just And just use heavy blows. What do you have to say?
0: That's, that's exactly it for me. Derek Lewis needs to keep this on the feet and I think he needs to finish it early. We've seen his wind get better, but I, I genuinely think that Derek Lewis when it comes to conditioning is going to run into a lot of problems if this, if this fight goes beyond two or three rounds. So yeah. hello. Uh, yeah. I have to
1: agree with you. I, I thought you were finished for a sec. You're keep good. going. Well,
0: what, what I essentially, what I was just saying is Lewis is going to have trouble if this fight goes beyond two or three rounds. And I think he needs to hunt for a finish, which he obviously has the ability to do. He's got knockout power almost unlike anybody in this division. He's gotta hunt for a knockout early and he's gotta keep off the ground because Alexio Linux just gonna be able to smother him if it goes there.
1: Yeah, I have to agree. Uh all right, to predict to predictions. I think Derek Lewis wins this fight if it doesn't get out of the first round and a half. If if he some if he finishes Olenek in the first round and a half, he wins this fight, and it's very contingent on his gas tank. And I, what do you have to say for a prediction?
0: I totally agree with ex- everything you just said. I think Derek Lewis is going to win this fight, but we've seen Alexi Olenek prove us wrong countless times. We're talking about a guy that's fought professionally seventy-three times, and it doesn't look like his chin has gone anywhere at the age of 43, I, I wouldn't expect anything. Or, there's nothing that I won't expect out of Alexi Olenek in this fight, but I think as as much of an advantage as Derek Lewis is going to have standing, I take Derek Lewis with an early knockout.
1: Yeah, I'm going to take Derek Lewis too, but don't be surprised if Alexi Olenek stays in there.
0: All right, so
1: we're, we have a little fun topic for you guys. Uh, before we get into our Dana White Contender Series uh, review, top three funniest guys in mma history what are your top three daniel
0: oh this is a weird thing to talk about because there's so many honestly it's gonna sound cliche but i like derrick lewis i love derrick lewis he's obviously the the funny guy on the roster right now and it's gonna sound cliche but i'm he's hilarious and just the way he talks to people and finally Number three, it's going to stem from the video I texted you earlier today. I love Darren Till. I love what Darren <laughs> Till brings in post-fight interviews, in, in any other interviews. The guy's hilarious to me.
1: Wait, who's your number two again? You cut out for a second. Oh, I
0: I went with Conor. Honestly, I think Conor McGregor. It's it sounds cliche, it sounds casual, but I I, I think Conor McGregor is hilarious.
1: Yeah, I think I think McGregor's pretty funny too. All right, I'm going to start with number three. I think number three for me is Michael Bisping. I think yeah, Michael I, Bisping's just hilarious. I mean, the way he talks, but he talks a lot of trash. But when he loses, he takes it on the chin like a man, and you gotta respect the guy for that. Number two, I, I think it's it's really tough for me. I think uh, I think it's probably Conor McGregor, and that's really cliche. But no one talks as much crap as he does and backs it up. There's no there's been no one like that. And number one, it's gotta be Derek Lewis. I mean, this guy knows he's funny. I mean, if you've ever seen a, a a post-fight interview with Derek Lewis. You've got to go watch some highlights. And Derek Lewis, by far, is the best Instagram in MMA. He just posts – if you want to see wild stuff, go follow him. All right, to our Dana White Contender Series Season 4, Episode 1 Review. Uh, so, we're just going to go over the contract winners. But I will say this, Rivera versus Rodriguez, both those guys will be in the UFC one day. What do you think?
0: I definitely agree with that. Both looked good. Both – I mean, they fought a really good fight, and I think they both have bright futures ahead of them.
1: Yeah, definitely, and they're both very young. None of them should be deterred by this uh, lack of a contract.
0: All right, to the first
1: uh, fight of the evening, uh, it was Flores versus Levitt. Levitt, I mean, he he really showed some stuff here. Uh, Flores was looking for a lot of submissions. He was trying to do too much, I think. And there's a lot of nice grappling, and then Flores had a lot of had a lack of kickboxing when the when it was standing up. And Levitt had a lot of top control, and then he won with an arm triangle. What were your thoughts on this fight?
0: I I have to agree with you totally with with everything that went into the early part of this fight. It seemed like like Flores was was gonna have the opportunity early, but Levitt took him to the ground quickly, uh, went straight in for a takedown, got him down, uh, went for a gu- had to actually had to fight out of a guillotine, I should say. Uh, Flores was able to work really well on his back. But once Levitt cinched that arm triangle in, it was over. He got to that really quickly. I mean, you texted me right after that finish and said, I mean, that was a beautiful submission. And I have to agree, he he got to it really quickly. And once it was cinched in, Flores tapped real quick.
1: Yeah, it was it was a really nice submission. I think Levitt could be a problem with his wrestling ability in the in the lightweight division, I believe he's going into. Lightweight or featherweight. I can't remember. Sorry, guys. So Medic versus Gonzalez. This guy, Medic. Oh my gosh, he is a very good striker. Different strikes, great power. Strikes from different positions. What are your thoughts on this guy?
0: Yeah, Medic was was really really impressive to me. He was a guy that came out as a striker and did a lot of things that you see guys kind of thrown around on UFC prelims to kind of get noticed. They they try to do all these flashy things and end up looking kind of stupid because you know it's never going to work at a high level. They're not really efficient with it. They're not very precise. But Medic came out and was throwing hook kicks, all these spinning strikes. He, he fights a style that you can tell, even though it's really flashy. He's perfected these things, and he can do them at a really high level uh, to the point that he was he's dominant with them. It doesn't look difficult for him to do these kind of things. He doesn't look like he's fighting outside of his style when he does them because this is his style to do it this way. And he made a really strong case – to to have some opportunities in the UFC. Obviously he got a contract, but I he, he looked really impressive to me. Yeah. Uh so I think
1: a good fight for Medic would probably be a Roosevelt Roberts. I think somebody like a contender about that that weight. I think well Roosevelt Roberts, yeah, he fight he fought at lightweight last time. So he could be a he could be a prominent lightweight, but I'd like to see him fight a Roosevelt Roberts, another guy from the Contender Series, who can do it pretty much everywhere. And I think you'd give him a challenge uh, because Roosevelt Roberts has a lot of length to him. What do you think would be a good next opponent for him?
0: I think that would be a good one. I think that would be a good match of styles because Roberts does so well on the ground using that length and keeping guys at a distance on the feet. And Medich is able to throw people off so much with his stand-up style. I think that's a fight that would be really exciting. Obviously, Roberts has several more fights to his name in the UFC, but I think I think that would be a really interesting fight, especially as impressive as Medich looked the other night.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think, to go back to Levitt, I think a good fight for Levitt would be Brock Weaver, both guys that like to be on the ground a lot. I don't know. What do you think?
0: That that would make a lot of sense to me as well.
1: All right. So to the featured bout of the evening, uh, we had uh, Jacoby versus oh shoot what's his name Flores uh another Flores guy yeah, yeah Ty Flores it was uh, uh
0: Ty Flores in the in the feature bout and was it Luke Flores was I think was Flore- it was Luke, Luke Flores it was Luke Flores yeah yes
1: so I was vi- first off we got to give credit to uh Flores's chin here this this chin oh belongs gosh. in the hall of fame I don't care when this guy dies chop off his chin put it in a in a glass panel and just leave it there for attorney this dude should have been knocked out I don't know. What did you think of uh, Jacoby's performance?
0: I mean, Jacoby, I mean, he was peppering him in the legs early, and then and then his straight start coming in, nearly landed a, a leaping knee. I mean, he was in control of this fight from the beginning. Uh, Flores was able to give him a little bit back, and obviously that chin held up to the point to where it was a, a decision that he wasn't able to finish him. But this was obviously a great performance out of Dustin Jacoby, He just controlled this fight from start to finish. That was the most impressive thing to me, that there was never a time it looked like he was in danger of giving Ty Flores an opportunity to take control. Yeah. uh, So
1: I think a good matchup for Jacoby would be –
0: now, glory
1: kickboxing was the best thing that probably could have happened to his career, made him very refined. I think a a, a span would be good for Jacoby coming up next. I think that'd be—they're both similar, but I think Jacoby's just a little more explosive and brings a lot of power. But Span is, uh, is has sneaky power, even though he's he's a, he's a tad bit slow. What do you think?
0: That that's a fight that makes a lot of sense to me. Obviously, uh, Jacoby's on the way up. I think as impressive as he as he looked, a matchup with Span would would do a lot. Obviously, Span can knock people out, like you said. That's that's something. It would be a good test for Jacoby after he looked so good on on Tuesday night. Yeah, all right, man. You got any news for us? Well, we got some, some big fights announced. We talked the other night uh, about Cody Garbrandt trying to move down to 125 to Davis and Figueredo to challenge Davis and Figueredo, and that was announced for UFC 255. Actually, two flyweight title fights, men's and women's, are going to take place at UFC 255, and, and they're both fights that have come together very recently. These aren't things that have been planned out over a while. So we're going to get Garbrandt moving down to 125 to fight Figueredo. And then we talked so much about Joanne Calderwood blowing her title shot uh, with Valentina Shevchenko by taking a fight on short notice against Jennifer Maya. And Maya wins that with an arm bar. Dana White says she's the number one contender and she's going to get her shot at Shevchenko at 255 as well. So that's shaping up to be a really exciting card. A couple of flyweight title fights on November 21st.
1: Yeah. You can't complain there. I mean, too, this is good. There's going to be some explosive stuff that night with uh, Garbrandt, you know, throwing those bar room, those bar room brawls, uh, and it's just going to be a, a great night of fights. And I mean, Shevchenko will win that fight. I don't think there's any question in our minds that Shevchenko will win that fight. But don't be surprised if Jeff puts up a good fight. Do you have any other news?
0: Yeah, Ray Borg got released. Yeah, I saw that. I was really surprised about that. Uh, he's obviously he's had to cancel. This is his second straight withdrawal. Uh, he was supposed to fight uh, Nathan Manis last week. He was supposed to fight uh, Marav Davishvili uh, on UFC on ESPN 10. That, w- that had to do with uh, his son's health issues. Uh, the, the fight that was scratched on August 1st, there hasn't been uh, any announcement on the reasons behind that. But back-to-back withdrawals, I mean, it gets to a point to where you have to give other guys opportunities, uh, especially if you're going to be pulling out of fights late. And and that's what Ray Borg's done back to back times. You hate to see it because uh, he seems like a guy that 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 did put his family before his UFC career, and I think uh, unfortunately that has led to his his release.
1: Yeah, I have to agree. But go get that Bellator money, Ray Borg. And speaking yeah. of Bellator, Corey Anderson he signed a, a fight a fight a three fight battle agreement with Bellator. I don't know what your thoughts were, are on that.
0: Yeah, that's that's interesting. Obviously, Bellator has become a kind of a place where some older guys can go and get rejuvenated. And Corey Anderson is far from far from the end of his career. He's a guy that I think can go to Bellator and get some things done.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I think you'll snatch that light heavyweight championship up from doesn't Ryan Bader hold it now?
0: Uh, off the top of my head, I'm not sure I could tell you, but I can I can check it out real yeah, quick. Yeah, definitely
1: look it up. I mean he was surging and I know he wanted to fight John Jones but I don't know. I don't know when John Jones is coming back. Yeah, I Ryan,
0: Ryan Bader is the dual heavyweight and light heavyweight champion in Bellator right now.
1: Yeah. All right. Dang. I know my Bellator stuff. I'm surprised. Yeah. I'm surprised. <laughs> anyway, when it comes to John Jones and this division, I think Corey Anderson could have presented a big problem to John Jones. But John Jones, I think he probably would have taken that fight seriously, being that Corey Anderson has called him out. But I don't know. What do you, I don't know? This is kind of off topic a little bit. But what do you think is going to happen with John Jones before the end of the year?
0: I mean, Dana White has said there's no plans for him to be stripped of the title. So I I think John Jones, he's going to fight again in the UFC. It's going to happen. I'm just not sure it's going to happen soon, and I don't think they want to take the title from him. So uh, I don't think John Jones fights in 2020, but I I think he's definitely going to hold on to the UFC light heavyweight title, and I think he's definitely – just going to keep fighting into the future he's pound for pound one of the best guys we've ever seen and I don't think he's anywhere close to being done
1: yeah I couldn't agree with you more and I think with with John Jones being the way that he is he might fight in the very very latter half of this year and I think when it comes to that it's going to be a Dominic Reyes rematch I can't see it be anywhere anyway no. else except you know maybe if they want to bring up uh, Glover to share who did some crazy stuff I don't, I, the only thing I see is Dominic Reyes, and I think he'll take that fight seriously. It'll be a Gustafson situation. Like, he didn't take that first fight against Gustafson seriously, but the second fight, we all know what happened. He got obliterated by John Jones. So I think Dominic Reyes is in for a beat down. All right.
0: You have anything else to add? Uh, that's it for me, man. Really, fun, a, a really fun, really fun podcast.
1: Yeah, it was. All right, guys. We will uh, be back. I don't know when. Well, we'll be back to review uh, this fight night. And then we'll be back to preview uh, 252 DC versus uh, uh, Stipe Miocis III, the tr- end of the bout. Well, Daniel, thanks for coming back on, my man. Yes, sir. Anytime. Right. Love it. All right. We'll see you guys next time.